This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You guys have heard me talk about Red Door Grill for almost a year now on 610 Sports Radio, and they're the proud sponsor of the Bobcast. And I'll tell you what, I'm a proud eater at Red Door Grill. In fact, my family and I love going to Red Door Grill, not just on Mondays for burgers or Thursdays for fried chicken, but just about every single day of the week. Because every time we walk into a Red Door Grill location, we're walking out of there feeling satisfied, feeling great, and knowing we got some of the best food in Kansas City. $5 burgers on Monday is where the week starts. You're not going to find a better deal than that. The best burger in town for just $5. You want some fries, it'll cost you a buck more. And then on Thursday, we have the jalapeno dipped fried chicken. That fried chicken starts marinating on Monday. It marinates on Tuesday. It marinates on Wednesday. It's got the herbs and spices to get into that chicken, and then boom, they flash fry it on Thursday to give you the best fried chicken that you'll ever have. And then, of course, happy hour every weekday, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6. That's where we cash in sometimes on Fridays as well. Enjoy those great drinks. Enjoy the great appetizer specials from 3 to 6 every single weekday at Red Door Grill. And with three locations, there's one close to everybody. 159th and Antioch, 119th and uh, Row in Town Center Plaza in Leewood and Camelot Court. And, of course, you can find the location in Brookside as well. It's Red Door Grill. You may know Jay Binkley as a football expert, a guy on the microphone who talks about everything involving Kansas City sports. He's as Kansas City as they come. From his love of barbecue to his love of beer to his love of the Chiefs and the Royals, nobody screams Kansas City like Jay Binkley. But right now, Jay Binkley is in the fight for his life. Here's the latest edition of the KC Bobcast featuring Jay Binkley and the battle he's facing within. When you got hired here back in, I don't even remember when. I 2012, Bob. 2012. You remember, the, you remember the year. It was a very long time ago. And I remember when you got hired. I was very excited because you're one of the hardest working, diligent, dedicated people that I'd ever been around. The way I saw you work and the way I saw you went about your business. When they said they were bringing you in here to work at, at, at 610 Sports Radio, I was really excited. Not only for you, but for us, because I knew we were getting a winner. And since then, you've given your heart, your soul, your life to this radio station. And then, all of a sudden, you get some bad news. You, yeah. you, you, you're dealing with not only a health issue right now, you're also dealing with a personal issue in your your love life. Let's call it your love life, which I think is going fairly well because I run into more people that have said, my friends are dating Jay Binkley than I've ever had. <laughs> but it didn't last, though. In, in, in <laughs> that's fine. Hey, maybe that's a good thing. But from a health standpoint, a couple of years ago, you get the diagnosis that you have MS. What was that day like for you? It was weird. You know, it was 2017. Never forget it. Never. I got the phone call here. Uh, it was after a show, and uh, the nurse had called me the, uh, that worked for a neurologist. Uh, my neurologist listens to you, by the way, believe it or not. She was a huge fan of Pafesco in the morning. And, uh, and she actually heard you talk about me a few times because you guys always tease me. And she would hear it, but I got a call from her, and it was a very serious call. And I knew what the call was going to be. It was like I had these this issue. My parents' anniversary was in November, and I went out to dinner with them. And I was sitting there, and my stomach just felt like like belts were just tied around it, strapped around it. I knew it wasn't normal. And I hate going to the doctor, Bob. I mean, it's 
you know, most guys just you hate going. Mm-hmm. We we just do. We go with what's necessary uh, for the checks at our age. It's like uh, with a car, you get certain things fixed out. So I went to the doctor and just just my family doctor and said, "This is my problem." You know, it feels like bait belts are tighter on my waist, and and he goes, "Yeah, you must be something wrong because you don't come in here very much, Jay." And I said, "No, I just for my blood pressure medicine and stuff." And and he didn't know what it was, and they had me do those sonograms and stuff, kind of looking at my stomach to see if it was maybe some kind of uh, intestinal issue or stomach issue. So they they do all that, and they didn't find much because it, it's one of those things that that's so rare. There's not a lot of people with MS. In this country, there really? just isn't no a million something, a little more than two million, something like that. And it, it's it's not as prevalent as you think. There's a lot of other things that are. They're kind of spinoffs of this, but not a lot of MS. And um, which I'm, I find out quite a bit of people have it around Kansas City, believe it or not. And um, so he sent me to neurologists because neurologists study the brain. And why did he send you to a neurologist if you went in with the stomach issues? What what prompted that? He probably had an idea. He probably had an idea. A neurologist can kind of find out a little bit more. But obviously, neurologists study the brain. And MS is kind of a neurological thing, too, that will affect your brain, uh, your spine, and your rhythm. At this point, you know, I was still able to mow the lawn, still able to get around. And um, and I wasn't affected, but the, the, the stomach, and I, I researched a lot. It, you know, I was on WebMD and all those things. And, um, and I, I kept finding this MS hug. That was the way it was described when, you're, when your stomach feels constricted and you have belts tight around it. And, and that's a precursor to MS. I mean, that's something that it, people with MS, uh, multiple sclerosis, deal with. And I went out there. The doctor, um, the neurologist, uh, had me do the test to walk the straight line, which I, I, I can't walk a straight line anymore, and uh, did the pen test on me. I, I, I started losing feelings in my legs a little bit where I couldn't really feel them. And the MS hug was really a telltale. And they, they can't tell anything until you do an MRI. I mean, they can guess what you have, and, and they can make their, you know, uh, but you, the MS is so hard to diagnose. So I went to uh, the MRI machine one night. Uh, the neurologist set it up, and I had three. I had the brain, thoracic, and the spine MRIs. I was in there a long time. I don't, like that. I don't like that. I don't like that stuff Ooh. at all. I'm not a big fan of MRIs. Right. And it was really comfortable, too, because of my stomach. You know, it was like that wrapper in your stomach. And they find these lesions. Uh, lesions are basically scars. I've had to learn a lot about this, to be honest with you, because I didn't know a lot about it. I'd never known anybody with MS. But you're Not also one person. now able to educate people on what's going on with you. And maybe people are listening and they're going, oh, my God, I've got some of those pains and some of those issues. Yeah, matter of fact, I have a friend that's been dealing with that because uh, issues with your eyes, you know, are a part of that problem. I wear glasses now, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had LASIK surgery. And the LASIK was fine, but MS does affect your vision. Yeah. You know, so I mean, they can't control that. That's something, you know, out of the, the ordinary. And you can't, you, you just have to deal with it. And, um, but I, I've had people ask me about it because they're curious about it because I, you know, kind of had it. But then, then I, then I waited for the call. You know, you wait for the call and I got the call and I knew right. I, I just knew I had it. I like, I had convinced myself. So it wasn't, it wasn't, so to speak, a shock when you get the phone calls, you're expecting it. And I was expecting bad news because that's generally what happens. <laughs> and, uh, and I get the call, and it's like, Jay, you, you sitting down. I said, yeah. And I, I knew right then. I was like, she goes, you have a mess. You need to come back in, and, and we'll explain what's going on to you. And I, I just sat there, man. It's like uh, it's that phone call you don't want to hear. Yeah. Like, I didn't even – and I'm real close to my parents, and, you know, I, I didn't tell them for hours. 
You know, I was married at the time. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody. I, I told uh, one of the guys was was here at work, and, and he said, what's wrong? And I said, well, here's what's wrong, because this is my boss, and obviously things were going to have to change uh, or I needed some time off here and there to do things. So you gotta you got to tell them. So I had told him, and then I just went and sat, you know, for a couple of hours. I, w- I went to a bar, had a beer or two, and just thought about it. How am I going to say this? You know, how am I going to? break bad news because i've always been the positive guy you know things are you know things are going well you know things are going good you know i'm in my dream job my dream profession you know doing this covering these teams and having a lot of fun doing what i'm doing and uh then you tell them you know they knew something was wrong but i had these lesions on my brain in my spine and then i learned about it then i started studying ms and it wasn't just that i got ms there's relapse and remitting that, that goes away for a time, so you kind of feel good. Like you'll see, see some people with MS that'll be fine for a while, and then they have those weeks. I've got the progressive kind, which is 10% of all people that have MS. So I've gradually seen myself decline, so to speak. Um, th- there's just certain things. Heat bothers me a lot. That's one of the MS things. And the worst part about it is, is the uh, in the brain. Like I, I'll never forget, I, I was doing the. Uh, low T sponsorship here at 610 and I was going out there every week. I'd go out there every week. And so I knew exactly where I was going, knew what I was doing. And one day I left. I didn't know where I was. Mm. I didn't know where I was, Bob. I pulled into a parking lot, pulled out my GPS to get home. It was weird because I don't know if, if, if the things moved in my part of the brain. Uh, two or three times I've been on the radio and, and, and people say I'm slurring my words. The text yeah. line lets oh, I, me know. I see it in the morning. That's why I, I decided, I said, we, we, need to, we need to have a, a, a kind of a conversation about this because I'll walk in and people are thinking, man, Jay's drunk and things like that. <laughs> and I'm feeling like bad because I know you're not. I know you're in a, in a state where you didn't want to talk about it. You didn't want people to feel sorry for you. You didn't want people to know. You didn't want to become a burden on people. But I think when you're battling what you're battling right now, I think the more people you can bring to the party and more people that can be on board to support you, I think that the better it is. Well, this, this is more therapeutic doing this with you than you realize. Um, I, I, I don't tell many people. Uh, obviously, you guys at work knew because things changed with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I stumbled in the thing. I wasn't drunk. Right. But I appeared I was drunk. But we thought you were at the time. Well, <laughs> but, you know, I drink. You know, I talk about drinking right, and stuff like sure. that. And I have a beer segment every week. So people just said, oh, Jay's just, you know, cracking one down. You right. Know? I, I had a relationship with the gal for a while. And one night, this is this is a bad night where I was really slurring my words and um, and having trouble with it. I, I learned to write a lot of things down, you know. And I, I told the Royals about it because I was doing. I would have to ask Ned Yost, you know, questions after the game. And I said, you know, there could be something where I'm, I'm thinking about something and it doesn't come right out. And I was concerned about that. Sure. Like, what if I forget a question for Ned? And Ned was so cool about Royals. I'll get to that in a minute. But the Royals organization's been so cool about this whole thing. But she's. You drunk, Jay? You drunk? You're, you're, you're I'm like, no, I'm drinking water. I'll send you a picture. I'm drinking water, but slurring my words bothers me. I came in with you a couple months ago on Friday when you kind of talk about the Chiefs and everything, and you asked me a question. I started slurring, and I felt really bad about it, it you know. And so then someone else started talking, but I was, I was having trouble that day, and uh, I remember that because I was like, man, I kind of slurred my words with Bob there. Um, you go to a restaurant with your kids. As I gradually kind of see myself kind of going downhill, it, your coordination is terrible. Your balance is terrible. And you know, I was able to mow in 17. Last, you know, this past year, I wasn't able to mow much, man. Mm-hmm. In 18, I was able to mow because the, the lawnmower is essentially like a crutch. You know, you're holding it. Right. Uh, this year, I just couldn't do it. 
You know, as you, you know, I'd go out and snowblow, but you get exhausted. You get fatigued. That's the number one thing about this. And I'll go to a restaurant with my daughter. You know, my, my 16-year-old stays with me all the time. And you, know, you get up to go to the bathroom, and you got to wait a second before you go, and you kind of stand and talk before you walk because you got to get yourself acclimated. And um, But you look drunk, and it's embarrassing because you're with your kid. Mm-hmm. So I start bringing the cane with me all the time because it looks, okay, something's wrong with him. You know, he, sure. he, he, he's got the cane or whatever, which – it is embarrassing, you know, and I told people when I when I was doing the Royals, you know, stuff, people would ask, you know, what's wrong with you and stuff, and I'd say it's my knee. Mm-hmm. I was always used that. It's such an easy excuse to say it's my knee. Right. And for a lot of people, that's what they think's wrong with me, which it is. I, I hurt my knee because I'm clumsy with the, with the MS, but you don't want to explain it. You don't want to go through detail. You don't want people to feel sorry for you. It's the last thing I want. Right. Is people to feel sorry for me. A lot of people are so uneducated about MS. They don't realize, you know, kind of what it does to you. Um, I start going to a, a, a therapy group on that meets on the first Saturday of every month. And I walked out the first two times I was in there. You know, I'd see people coming in with wheelchairs and stuff. Who knows if I'm headed that direction? I might be. I don't, you can't control this. I can't fix this. This, this is my sentence. Mm-hmm. This is what I have to deal with. And I'd get depressed. And then finally I sat through one and I kind of enjoyed it, you know, talking to other people that are going through what I'm going through. And, uh, but I was getting depressed and I was getting kind of mad about it. And I was walking out, and I was leaving. I couldn't do it. Um, but but that was a that was a hard thing to go through. And then depression really hit you, man. Well, let, let, let's talk about when you got diagnosed and the, and, and the day you found out. You said you just kind of sat there, mm-hmm. went and you had a couple of beers. It took you a while to tell your parents, to tell mm-hmm. your wife at the time, to tell your kids that this was going on. What was it like mentally for you when when you found out you got it? Until you were able to tell everybody in the first you know couple of weeks, couple of months after realizing what you have and, and having MS. Well, I've always been the go to guy. You know, people have always gone to me, and I've yeah. never really shared my my you know troubles with anybody. I just I just haven't, and uh, no one knows about. It. I did put it on Facebook, and I said because I, 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 I mentioned this about a year ago. It was a little bit of therapy for me to do that. But I said I'm going to delete this tomorrow. So if you didn't see it now. You never see it. It is the first time I really talked about it publicly uh, with you. But your, your kids only see you as a strong person. You know, you're able to mow. You're able to carry groceries in. You're able to do all that. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself not being able to do the things that you were able to do. And th- that's the hardest part. Is um, it, that's what it affects you, man. When you can't be the same guy. You know, you're at the wedding and you can't dance. Mm-hmm. You know, even let's though be I honest here. You weren't dancing before. No, you, had you MS, try though. Right? You, know, yeah. <laughs> you try, but you get tired, and people expect you to go out and do this and that. And and there's just sometimes, Bob. You know me. I'm just the guy that doesn't say no. Mm-hmm. I just get tired, man. And even doing some of the stuff I was doing with always being at different places, I've had to come back on that because I just I just don't have the energy to do it. And then kind of the depression starts setting in, which I I never really understood it and understood why people went through it, and I thought it was kind of an excuse. Uh, to be honest with you, but uh, I reached out to Ryan Lefevre because he had written that book on it because he'd been there, and I reached out to him one day um, during the uh, during the season. I said I'd like to sit down and talk to you at some point because I think you know you could help me. You know, a guy in sort of in this profession, he obviously sure. does what he does, but he is, is a broadcaster and stuff. And I said he'd be perfect for me. You know, someone that's you know battled this, and he reached out to me one night, a real low night. And uh, gave me a call. And I was just going through a divorce at the time, too. Uh, found out a minute before I went on the air. But, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. But he called me and reached out to me and invited me out to his house. And he's got this you know, this, this, this nice property and farm and stuff. And, and we sat and talked. And we talked a long time. 
Like, I really credit that guy for what he did. I credit you because, you you know, you go out there and you, you try to find me mattresses and stuff, and you were one of those people that helped me right in the beginning. You did my MS walk, and I, I give you a lot of credit um, for what you did, Bob. But, you know, it's just when people show that they care, and Dayton Moore knew about it. He saw me. Uh, I had to go show up at the, the J one day. We're, he was doing a, mm-hmm. a thing out there. So I show up there, but I had a cane. And Dayton asked me what's wrong, and I said, listen, I'm not going to. I'm not going to BS you. I'll just tell you honestly what I got. So, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I'm just sitting there. Phone rings at like 8.30 in the morning. I thought it was somebody else. And I said, David? I forgot what it was. He goes, no, this is Dayton. I said, Dayton Moore? He goes, yeah, it's Dayton Moore. Uh, and he goes, I just want to see how you're doing. And I was like, you kidding me? You're just checking on me? Like, again, the Royals. I look back, the things they did. Mm-hmm. I've always heard Dayton did this with players, like he cared about their family and stuff. He does, yeah. But the fact that he reached out to me. That's how I was doing. means everything. Yeah, it, it does. And, and that tells you the kind of person he is and the kind of guy that's running our organization right now. And, and, and people don't understand the true workings of who Dayton Moore is as a person. There's never a day where he, he doesn't say, how are Jen and the girls doing? You know, yep. it, it's, it, it's always about how everybody else is doing. What can I do to help? And that's his personality. And I think at that time in your life, you were really lucky to have a guy like that kind of come alongside you. And Ryan Lefevre as well could be a, a, a great person to have come alongside you as well because he dealt with some of that stuff and, and, no, and, the, did. and the depression side of things. And it's always good to have those people to talk to. So when for you did it kind of set in that, hey, this is reality and I just have to start living again? Like, how did you break out of that depression? It took a while because I, I pretended for a while I didn't have it. And uh, then the reality set in. It's like, you know, you got it. And, you know, I still haven't opened up about it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you guys for the longest time I fell on ice. You know, this is what's bothering me. This is why I'm walking all crooked. I mean, it's it's tough because people just don't understand this. And it's I've always felt it's more difficult to explain it, you know, what you're going through. Because it sounds like excuses right? when it's reality. And I, I just don't like making excuses or doing things like that. But that's, that's why I found myself a lot, Bob. And, you know, I'll never forget, you know, one day I just, you know, I got divorced and, and I had this MS and I was leaving the dentist. And it was pouring down rain. And... This is a year or so after I had it. And you trip and fall with this. Like, you don't have your balance. And I didn't have a cane at that point. And I tripped and fell in the rain. It was pouring rain. And here comes a car, you know. And I'm like, man, please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me. And I was in the pouring rain, face down in the concrete. And I rolled. I rolled soaking wet. You know, it was pouring rain. And I was like, this sucks. And that was probably the lowest point where I go, I got to do something. I got to do something. So what did you do? You know, you call Ryan. Lefevre, say, hey, man, I got, I got to talk. You hooked me up uh, with people that have, that have gone through this, and I greatly appreciate it. You talk to whoever you can. And um, it, it, at that point, I was like, I got to do something, man. Because I went home that day. You know, you find yourself just, like, staring at the garage. You sit in the garage, and you wonder, you know, you want to feel sorry for yourself, but you don't. And, and you find yourself not being in I went through a period, Bob, where I would watch football. Because, like, you know how much I love football. <laughs> football but i wouldn't be as entertained with it and i was like man you know i i want to get into this and i'd watch it but it's like there's something bothering me and you just you sit there at night and you stare at the walls and you have those nights and 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 now now things are better and you know that's been a big therapy to me is is sports but you find those things in life you like and it's not as fun anymore and that's that's i think when depression really hits you 
when the fun things aren't fun. So if anybody out there is listening right now and you want to hire Jay just to watch football, you're available to just go watch football for a fee, right? Watch football talk. Come over you to mean. your house. Like Brett Veach could hire you to be maybe a film <laughs> analyst or something like that. You're, That's right. You're, That's right. you're back, right? That's right. You're back on the scene of, of, of doing that. And of acceptance. I'll tell you what, if you have a business, I would absolutely 100% hire Jay to do anything because he is a dedicated guy. He is a guy that will give his 100% effort. He'll go above and beyond the call of duty. And that's why it hurt me so much hours, days after you find out you're diagnosed with MS. Here's this loyal soldier. Your wife calls you a minute before you go on the air and says, oh, by the way, I'm leaving you. I mean, yeah, that was good. How, how did that compound everything you were dealing with health-wise? Because it wasn't soon after you were diagnosed that she's telling you she's leaving yeah, a little you. Over it was tough. It was tough. Um, you know, you wonder, and obviously I wasn't, you know, the, I, was, I was always chasing things. I was always busy. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, I... I understand that. I mean, as my dad once told me, you know, everything is your fault. Uh, you, this MS isn't. I don't think I asked for this, but uh, but everything is your fault in some extent. But man, I tell you, it's like it's like everything you know comes crashing. Like you're not physically ready. And I started worrying: Will I date again? Mm-hmm. Will I be able to find somebody? Isn't that to go amazing? There? The first thing we have me. is: Will I date again? Yeah. Will I find another woman? I'm like immediately, 40s. right? Yeah. Can I find a lady that's you know that's willing to, you know, I'll be able to do what I can to take care of me to understand this. Uh, to be at the prime of their life, you know, with a boyfriend that's that's not 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a cane. They can't go on those long hikes, those long walks, and it's going to take a special person. And th- those things went through my mind. It was like I'm starting over now. You know, I'm raising a kid, doing all these things, the grocery stores and stuff like that. A lot of things I didn't have energy for, but I've got to find the energy to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this MS, it makes things, you know, more difficult. And, you know, it, but... It, you know, it, it, it's a sentence on your, your life health-wise, but it's not a sentence on your life. And that was the perfect um, thing for me that I had to figure out, man. It's by talking to people, hey, your life's not over. You got this going for you, that going for you. But it's real, man, and it, it'll bite you. There's times you wake up and you can't do things. You know, you wake up and you trip over something, you fall, and you're embarrassed about it. And maybe no one's there to see it, and that's fine. When people are there to see it, it's kind of embarrassing uh, to happen. So that was my hardest part is getting over the embarrassment of what happened. It would be easy for me to sit here and say, don't be embarrassed. Like, if you fell now in front of me, I don't think you should be embarrassed. I know what you're going through. Well, you, I'm here you to know. support you and pick you back up. And yeah. What can we do to help? I mean, like, like those are things. I I wouldn't be embarrassed if you fall and people start laughing at you. You get up and look at them and go, I have MS. What, what are you laughing at? You know, like, I, like turn it around on them because regardless if you had MS or not, if you're just a guy walking and you tripped and fell, yeah. I mean, initial human reaction is, mm-hmm. oh, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. but I think we need as people to learn better that you can't be making fun of somebody because they fell or because they can't stand or because something may be wrong with them that you don't know about. And the older I get, the more I realize I don't know what's going on inside of you. You don't know what's going on inside of me. And I think we all just kind of react to what we see on the outside instead of trying to get to know what's going on on the inside of people. Yeah, you never know. My, my parents are 76 and 73. They, they go through a lot of surgeries. They need help from time to time. And I used to be that guy, too. And, and that's the thing. Like, and you, I can't you, help you were them as a husband, much as I wanted to. You were to. a father. You're a son. And you're trying to do all of those things at once because you're an only child, your parents, yeah. and, and that's it. You've got two children of your own. You had a wife. I mean, like, you have all of these – and then you've got a job on top of that and a very demanding job at that. And so you were managing all of this stuff better than I could have ever managed it. I know it's hard enough with two kids and a wife. I can't imagine having two parents that need me constantly on top of that plus a job. I, I give you a lot of credit, my man, because <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I could have done healthy when you were healthy, doing the way that you were doing it, 
and managing two parents and managing a, a, a wife and managing two daughters and a job all at the same time. That takes a special person. You, you could do it because you have to do it. Yeah. You could do it. You you would do it, Bob. I mean, when you're, when you're forced to do something, you have to do it. And... Again, you know, it's it's nice to talk to people, and Ryan was 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 great to what talk to. What did Ryan to. tell you? Like, what was his big piece of advice? To you? you know, what it was just sitting, the talking. He invited me to his men's groups that he had a couple times, and it was just you know learning that no, no matter what in life, you know, people find challenges. You know, no matter how happy you are, mm-hmm. you have your, your career that you want. There's always something there. You never know somebody or what they're going through. You never do, and uh, <clears throat> it's one of those things. I've always been the happy-go-lucky guy, and I don't say no. You know that I don't say no, but I've had to say no. And that is the toughest thing for me to do is say, I can't do it. How hard has that been for you? I mean, because, you know, you, you deal with the falling, you deal with, you know, using a cane, the embarrassment and stuff that you've talked about. But for you, you were always, a, hey, Jay, we need this Tuesday night at 730. You need to be, okay, I'm there. Like, how hard has that been for you to say, I can't? Because I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm kind of asking as a selfish thing. Sure. How do you say no? How do you tell somebody no and not feel like you're letting them down? That's the hardest thing. Because again, this 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 disease, no one really knows about it. You know, they don't they don't quite understand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's days, Bob, your legs just don't want to work, man. Like I haven't felt my legs in two years. You know, you, you got to get used to that. I think I broke my toe, but I couldn't feel it. You know, I I don't feel cold. I wear shorts all the time, which I've always done, but I don't feel it. And the hardest thing to people understand is the fatigue part of it. Some days you just get worn down, man. And this doesn't leave me. I don't have where it. <clears throat> goes away for a week or whatever, it's always there. And there's always a constant reminder, you're not healthy. You're not healthy at all. And that's the toughest thing. I mean, you know, that, that loneliness sets in. Even if you have people, you still, when you're taking away what you do and how you do things, I'm a, I was always a very active guy, always a very active guy. And I just haven't been lately. And, and you feel lazy to some extent. You know, I still go lift weights all the time just to, you know, feel a part of it. But there's some days you just get real lightheaded and dizzy and you just, you can't do it. You know, I've tried different medicines and I've done those seven hour, um, infusions, they call them, mm-hmm. you know, I've done all that. Uh, the first two were great. I actually got a little bit of a bump right afterwards. The last one I did, I was so excited to get it. Cause I was like, I really need this. You know, yeah, I really need this because they, they, they hook you up to an IV and I was like, I really need this. <laughs> Excuse me. And then it didn't work. You know, it, it didn't work and it didn't help. And I was, you know, looking forward to that. And that was a setback to me. That I was looking forward to something to help me and it and it didn't do it. And so I was like, mm, damn, what do I do now? Yeah. So you just gotta you just gotta get used to it, man. I've just, you know, gotten used to it. I'm never gonna feel hundred percent healthy. How, just never gonna happen. How do you manage your range of emotions? Because I could imagine you go from happy to piss to sad to piss to piss to piss to sad to piss to why like how do you manage all of those ranges of emotions that you probably go through on a daily basis? It's it's tough. The one thing about MS is um there's a lot of uh, anger spells. You go through anger spells, and I get it. You get to get angry because you can't do what you normally do. It hurts you to get in the car or out of the car or whatever. And you get angry, and you get pissed. And that's been the hardest thing for me is controlling my emotions, not getting too upset, mm-hmm. trying to be even keel, because that's, that's a big part of this. It's just the anger and everything that sets in. And and I, I try not to be why me. Um, that's kind of my focus with this group. Like, you know, we have what we have. we got to move forward. You can't be thinking about it, but it's impossible not to think about when it affects you every day of your life. Like, I notice little things that happen to me every day or every week. There's something, something that I was able to do that I couldn't do. You What's know, the what? most recent one? Well, last night, I go out to uh, uh, to meet some people uh, that were in town, 
uh, from New York, and we went out and had some wings. And I get up from the table, you know, and I hadn't really set myself where I had to like think about it. Because if I sit for a long time, I you're done. Like I get up here from a break, and it's like an eighty five year old man. And I fell right into a table and knocked like knocked half the stuff over on a table. I was embarrassed about it, but you know they understood. They 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 knew what I had or whatever. Sure. And uh, and I did that last night. That was that was one of those things that that was most recent <laughs> that happened to me. Fell on my way to the bathroom the other day, and you know kind of fell back half on the couch and half not. And you know just it's tough to get used to because it's a constant reminder that you're not right. You're not a hundred percent healthy. Mm-hmm. So what's the future for you and this disease? Let's talk about you first. What's the future of you with this disease? Well, I think I've uh, gotten past the acceptance stage. I know what I got. I know I can't do a damn thing about it. And um, it, it, it's about looking forward and maybe trying to, you know, reach out to people that it's not a destiny, man. You know, there's a lot of people with this that, you know, get slapped in the wheelchairs and they think their life's over. It's not, man. It's not. I mean, no one's taking your, your soul away. No one's taking your, your heart away. No one's taking any of that away from you. They might take your physical abilities away, which is obviously what's happens, but it's not the end of the world. You can still kind of do what you could. Now, there's certain jobs you can't do. I mean, I'm, I can't go out there and probably do a lot of physical things that I probably could have done before. Sure. You know, I'm actually doing one of the few things that I probably can do, to be quite honest with you. But it, it's a challenge. You first have to accept it, and that takes a while. It takes a while to accept uh, what you have, especially when you see others with it and how they're dealing with it and doing it, that kind of sets you back a little bit. And uh, and I've had to learn that. But one, I'm kind of past that acceptance stage. I know what I have. It's time to move forward. But there's always those little constant reminders of what you have. What What would you be doing if this wasn't your job? Like, what What, what do you think your job would be if you weren't doing this with Don't this know. disease? Don't know. Don't know. You know, I, you know, I, I sit around a lot and... I'm always thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do next here, and that keeps me focused and keeps me going a little bit, but uh, where you don't have the time to sit around and feel sorry for yourself, yeah. that's the last thing you want to do. Right. Um, you get in those situations, you go talk to people. Uh, I've talked to my parents a ton, uh, believe it or not, a, a ton about this, and, um, you know, you know a few people that, uh, that have what you have, and you, you try to reach out to them and say, how did you handle this, or what did you do, but it's a it's coming to the realization that what you got and you can't do anything about it you can't do a thing about it no matter i mean you can go get the modern medicine or whatever you want that's that's not going to cure it mm-hmm. it might make you feel day good for a day but it's not going to cure it you're going to go right back to who you are the next day so the acceptance part of it and just like wondering why 44 year old man at that point is like what can, can my kids get this you know i got no family history with this right none at all it just comes why out why did it happen to you what was the reason that they say? I, I don't know. I I don't know. There's no there's no rhyme or reason for it. It just hits you, man. It hits guys my age. Um, it hits a lot of people a lot younger. So at least I you know got to 44 before you know it really hit me, and I was able to you know enjoy my kids when they were mm-hmm. were young and do those kind of things. So in a way, it is a blessing uh, that it hit me this late. Um, so um, you know, kind of on my own now, you know, and doing my own thing. So it's it works out better. So, so what what about the the future of this disease? Because you said there's not a lot of people that have it. There's not a lot that they know about it. Where are we in a research stage with this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the MS Society is great, and, and they do a lot of things. But I don't know. They're always looking for the the next big thing. I know KU um, does a lot with the, the research out there. I know they've they, they've been able to do a lot about it. But 
Yeah, until they find that magic pill, uh, you know, nothing's going to take it away. They can make you try to alleviate your pain a little bit in in certain times, which they they've tried a lot of different. I've tried a lot of different stuff, and hey, to be honest with you, I don't think it works. So it's mm-hmm. like, what's, what's the point in it if it's not, you know, helping me out? But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what's out there. I've just thought to myself, I don't think anything's out there. If somebody wanted to help, how how could they help? you know, fight MS? How can they help you? I, I think just be there, understand, try to learn about it. I mean, that's, that's the most of it. That's the number one thing that agitates people with this. You know, I went to the group, they were thinking I might get t-shirts. I have a mask, you know, leave me alone. Was, I'm going to fall. But I guess just educate if somebody has it, understand what they're going through. Understand they're going to be tired. Understand that their brain is going to have some issues. Understand they're not drunk. They're just trying to, trying to get by. They're trying to do it. But be their friend. Will you get better if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? It'll make me happy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> It'll make me happy, and that's for sure. But uh, I, I think talking to people that understand. Again, there's, there's, there's two types of people. There's always the people that reach out and say, how you doing or whatever, if they really mean it. Do you really mean it? Or you check out how you doing. Nice weather? No, no, here's how my day went. You know what I'm saying? Sure. You go to check out how you doing, how's your day. They don't really care. They don't know. Don't be that guy. Be the person that actually sits down and learns what they're going through. Jay has really had a tough two years. It's been a remarkable run for Jay Binkley to even be where he is right now after battling MS, a divorce, and everything else that has gone wrong for him over the last two years. If you have it in your heart, reach out to Jay. Lend a hand. Tell him you're there for him and let him know that you support him. Find him on Twitter at Three Guys in a Garage. Jay Binkley, one of us and a guy that could use all of our support from here now and on into the future. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.